Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. The July 25th edition of the PFF forecast. We've got a fun one today. Timo, all the way from Germany, is going to join us to talk about uh, the project he's been working on, which is very cool. We've got some news. Actually, maybe we can loop Timo in for some news. He might have some hot takes. Mm-hmm. We are going to do a team review slash preview for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then as we close out, always some stories from the Cincy Y. Let's rock. All right, from Germany, live. Moo, Mo, what's happening? Hi, guys. I'm fine. I'm excited to talk about some football. Well, you know, nice usually you say that in, uh, in Germany and you're talking soccer. Not, yeah, but we don't do that. Not yeah. here. No. Uh, what time is it there? It's uh, 6.30. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Just so late. Just getting ready. Or getting ready for dinner or just had dinner. Or uh, about to head, head to the gym. Um, uh, no, I haven't had, haven't had dinner yet. Good. It's, I always think it's better to work on an empty stomach. Okay, we're going to start with, uh, actually, before we get into what you've been working on, the news uh, of the week, which is really pretty much been dominated by whether Zeke shows up to training camp or not, yep. which is very really very funny i happened to be watching get up this morning which is a really informative show with like mike greenberg and some other wow uh, football minds and they just it was they were so effusive in that zeke had to be signed by the cowboys if they don't if they don't get zeke they just can't they can't consider uh, themselves a super bowl contender what are they really doing with themselves if they don't get zeke so he has not been signed yet, but some players um, have had some news. Uh, Eric, who do you want to start off with? Uh, well, I think nicely, you know, this Kevin Byard, you know, we, somebody that we had graded well and, and really, you know, I think like had people looking at um, uh, Tennessee breaks out a couple of years ago with a lot of interceptions, grades really well last season. Uh, Tennessee signs him to the richest contract for a safety uh, and I think, yeah, not a bad decision. He's worth about half of a win last year, so uh, kind of a, a fun, um, 
uh, a fun news bit yesterday. Now, offsetting the fact that Taylor Luan, their tackle, uh, is going to have to probably sit out four games for uh, doing PEDs. Concerned more by, uh, or I should say this, who would you rather have, Timo, Kevin Byard or Taylor Luan? By Kevin Byard. I think it's a good move to extend him early. Should, yeah, should save some dollars going on instead of letting him hit free agency. So I like that. Yeah, Tennessee's not a team that's terribly talented from top to bottom of their roster. So having an elite player at an important position, I, I, I agree with you, Timo. I think a couple of years from now, the, the salary cap will be a lot bigger, uh, and that contract will not look so bad. Do you think Taylor Luan is just uh, overrated because he's like kind of crazy and chugs beers at Predators games? Yeah, he's totally he totally has like the bro constituency yeah. like locked down. Uh, we have him. He's above replacement level for sure. You know, probably about an average tackle, quite honestly. And so I don't know how much this hurts Tennessee. Um, we don't really like them anyway. Like, I think, I think we printed their under. Do you think Mariota will throw more interceptions from a clean pocket now that Taylor Luan is there? He'll just be more scared <laughs> from the clean pocket. Yeah. Uh, Mike Daniels, no longer a Green Bay Packer. And immediately, I, I'm guessing this was your reaction, Timo. You uh, put tons of money on the Bears week one. <laughs> uh, not really. Not really. <laughs> uh, how, I mean, they have made a lot of moves on the defensive line. It's one of those things to me where this feels like people will overreact to it because Mike Daniels in the past has been one of their better defensive linemen with, uh, while people will just sort of ignore the fact that defensive linemen are kind of a dime a dozen and why would you pay this guy a lot of money well especially given that kenny clark uh first round pick a couple years ago really emerged as a as a solid playmaker for them um they just signed dean lowry who is somebody who had emerged as well he seems kind of like on the on the he seemed kind of on the outs anyway a good player i think will help a team but it sort of has to be at the right price i sort of mused that it was going to be indianapolis uh that signed him because that seems like kind of right up their alley could see that um i think they've they've also um signed two edge defenders and free agency yep. and they also drafted to sean gary very high and maybe maybe gary will see some snaps inside now That's so this could also be a good development for them well wasn't the yeah good they said, was it that they said they were going to play him on the edge, or that's just what people assume? But Rashawn Gary did not play on the edge mm-hmm. in college, so maybe they saw him try it a couple of times. They're like, yeah, you know, this whole thing with him playing inside where he actually played, maybe we'll play him there. Um, that's a good point, I think. So, Timo, I have a question for you. The Panthers said that Cam Newton will, quote, have a pitch count during camp. Do you know what that means? Uh. His, his touches will be limited? Or? So do you know that because of like where that comes from in baseball? Or you just were able to figure it out because you're an intelligent human being? Uh, I figured it out from the context. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder, like baseball terms are like, turns of phrase are sort of ubiquitous here, which is just sad because baseball sucks as a sport. So I always wonder if anyone else in the world bothers to care about it. Um, who do you, I, I would ask you who you think is going to win the World Series this year, but I don't care. What do you think about Cam Newton uh, being on a pitch count? Does this would this worry you at all? Uh, as a Panthers fan, yeah. If you're if you were invested in the Panthers' future, 
not not really. I, I don't think that Cam relies on, on training camp touches and, and reps. So it, it should be experienced enough. And if his shoulder holds uh, late into the season, this is all the Panthers should care about. Right. I think the interesting thing was is last season we were – we were sort of privy to an example of like Andrew Luck sort of right. being like held out, throwing like junior sized footballs and all this kind of stuff. And ultimately, you know, the real question is, can could his shoulder hold up the whole year? And in Indianapolis's case, we got a yes. And in, in Carolina's case, we've we've seen Cam's play deteriorate in you know November and December over the last few years. Um, I do think it matters for him, but like the whether or not he's practicing now or not is not really, I think it just amounts to what we think about him in the future. And as we'll talk about probably in a few minutes, uh, I think we're more, we're higher on a, a certain other NFC South uh, quarterback. <laughs> yeah. With respect to Newton, it's probably a good sign that he's on a pitch count, whether that's because he's still injured and they're worried about the fact that it's not healing or they're just being smart because they realize exactly what you guys just said is what actually matters. So let's get into it. Uh, let's start talking about uh, some of this cool stuff that you've been working on, Timo. Why don't you give a kind of brief overview on um, some of the aspects of this project? Yeah. Um, we have this um, unique um, route data at PFF. So for every play and for every eligible receiver, we chart basically everything he does. So we chart his the route type he runs, the route depth, where does he line up um, pre-snap, um, is he in motion before the snap, um, basically everything you want to know about a player on, on a route run. And um, yeah, there are many ways to leverage this this kind of data. And um, the first thing, uh, first thing you can do um, is to take a route run and give a probability that this uh, route run is targeted. So you can say, okay, when, when uh, yeah, this, this outside receiver runs a post route, um, and there are four other routes run by the same team, and then this is like, this route is targeted like 60%, 16% of the time, stuff like this. And um, yeah, and the, main feature, the main feature for this is basically route depth. So um, we can illustrate this very easily. Um, when we look at all routes um, across the NFL, routes um, run 10 yards or deeper and 9 yards or shorter are basically split 50-50. So 50% of the routes in the NFL are 10 yards or deeper, 50% are 9 yards or shorter. But if we look at targets, we see that um, only 38% of all targets are 10 yards or deeper, and 62% of all targets are nine, nine, routes or sh nine yards or shorter. So we see that um, deeper routes are targeted less often and shorter routes are targeted more often. That's, yeah, that's like the main, the main feature when, when predicting uh, the probability that a route run is targeted. And what we also can do, and this is um, the most interesting stuff, I think, is um, for, for targeted routes, so for targets, um, we also chart the location where, where, where's the receiver targeted. But we can use this um, to predict um, where a non-targeted route would be targeted or, or supposed to be targeted if, if it came open during the fashion. So basically based on the depth of the route, based on the route type, based on the um, element, based on the yeah, where, where the where the receiver lines up pre-snap, we can predict where the, the target would have been. And um, 
yeah, using this data, we can um, we can um, give a give a metric like expected targets. So what we can do is we can look at a at a team, and we can say, okay, based on their route, they should have should have targeted the deep middle of the field um, 120 times in 2018. But um, then we look at the actual targets and we see, oh, but they have only targeted the deep middle um, 90 times. So, so we can compare um, this stuff and gain some insight from this. Um, we, can also do, we can also do um, nice pictures where we, um, um, where we compare the, the targets of a team and the targets we would expect from this team based on based on the route runs, and yeah, this this is really interesting to to do this for for different teams. We can also do this for for individual receivers, so we can say, okay, um, yeah, this receivers ran a lot of routes down the right sideline. He should have gained 50 targets there, but he gained only 30 targets. So so maybe um, yeah, maybe the the team should should um, think about not letting him run so many routes down there. There's so many possibilities that they're, it's almost like tough to figure out where mm-hmm. to start because you can, you can jump in, in in many different places. The individual player, the team, the coaching component, the yep. quarterbacking component. So maybe that's a good place to start. I mean, even the evolution of the league component, right. like how our routes, how have we become you know, more, is, is the targeting of routes becoming less you know, yeah, eight, is a dot decreasing while we're still running the same routes? Are quarterbacks choosing to throw to the shorter routes, or are players running shorter routes uh, as a result of the evolution of the league? All those great questions. You know, now that we have you know the bandwidth to sort of answer them, uh, pretty cool. So I'm going to go ahead and say that we're not going to give everything away because you are writing an article uh, on this for uh, next week that is going to have some of those pretty pictures um, and is going to dive into some of the really interesting use cases. But we'll hit on a couple of those here. But I want to start with this, though. What have you learned? What, have, what are some of the things that you've hypothesized now about the relationship between you know, receiver and quarterback in terms of like who earns the target? You know, who, who kind of owns the respective components of the passing concept? Um, I, I feel like um, it's, it's the quarterback um, because um, I have um, for, for, for single receivers um, the, the expected so so based on all the stuff we did um, based on the route runs of a receiver we can say okay this is um, the average depth of target we would expect this receiver to have and um, and then we can compare to the actual average depth of target. And for receivers, for individual receivers, this is usually very, very close. So there, there isn't a, a huge difference. And and if receivers aren't close to the expectation, then then they often um, then they often um, aren't in the same team. Like for instance, um, the Minnesota receivers in 2016 with Sam Bradford throwing throwing. Um, Throwing passes, or the the Bucks receivers with James Winston throwing passes, stuff like this. And for for quarterback, the the correlation between the average depth of target we would expect him to to throw and the actual average depth of target is much um, much smaller. So you see more variance, and um, yeah, that's why I, I I'm tempted to think that 
um, a lot of this is the choice of the quarterback. The choice so, of the quarterback. And that is what's interesting about that. So I'm not sure if I cut you off. Sorry about that. Um, what's interesting about that is the sort of quarterback coach dynamic too, mm-hmm. which I, I think we'll get into um, here in a second because both of you guys, both of you have decided to uh, co-pilot the Tampa Bay Bucks bandwagon this season. So do I need to go hide behind a, a screen while you guys talk about the potential what does it mean what do we know about sort of the things that bruce arians has done things that james winston has done um from a concept and then a target perspective well i mean, yeah, I mean I the key part of go ahead uh yeah, timo but the key part for me is just that james winston has the statistical profile that all the good quarterbacks under under bruce arians had which is you know possibly graded throw rates uh high average depth of target and like to me that that car you look back at Carson Palmer you look back at Andrew Luck as a rookie you look back at Big Ben like it's all the same signature there and it's not that Jameis or and you look at Tampa Bay's offense you look at like adjusting for weather and and opponent and all that kind of stuff their expected points added as a passing game is has historically been a top 10 unit a unit that we have like always looked at our data and said why the hell is this not translating into wins on the field and you know you take in arians who took an arizona team with blaine gabbert and drew stanton to eight and eight without david johnson and without with uh, tons of injuries on a defense, I mean, to me, like, you know, and, and Moo's going to give him a lot smarter of an answer here based upon the sort of the, the the configurations of the routes and things like that. But to me, like those things, I know Tampa Bay's got a tough schedule, but those things just scream for uh, a team that'll uh, exceed expectations. Yeah, I think that's that's a very uh, reasonable, reasonable answer. And. Um, what, what stood out to me um, when, when looking at the, at the route data, um, what, what I wasn't aware of this, is that while James Winston has the, the highest average depth of target among all quarterbacks since, since joining the league, but uh, looking at the routes that the um, Bucks ran, he should actually be average. So um, he has a lower expected average depth of target than Joe Flacco. But um, his average depth, of, his actual average depth of target is actually three yards higher. So yeah, there, there's a huge discrepancy with, between the, the routes that the Bucks ran, ran and the targets that James Winston liked to like to throw. So they've they run they've run a lot of lot of short routes into the flat, short crossing routes with Humphreys and Great and Howard. When a lot of short routes and James Winston just didn't care. He, he just wanted to throw deep to Evans, Scotland, Jackson. And um, and if you if you look at Carson Palmer from from 2015 to uh, 2014 to 2016, he also had a very high average depth of target, but um, this depth of target fit perfect uh, fits perfectly to the routes that the Cardinals run. So, um, for instance, when I look when I look at um, the percentage of of targets that a team throws um, both as a deep middle. I sorted all teams from 2014 on, and the the, the highest team is 2016 bucks. Second highest team, 2017 bucks. Third highest team, 2018 bucks. <laughs> and it goes on like this. And um, then I looked at the at the teams which were, ran their routes, 
um, the most at the deep middle. And then first team, 2015 Cardinals. <laughs> Second team, yeah. 2016 Cardinals. Thirteen, thousand seventeen Cardinals. So the, the, James Winston is an outlier when it comes to targeted, targeting um, the area 10 yards down the field or more. And Bruce Arians is an outlier when it comes to running routes there. And I, I think this could help because um, this is um, how I envision what goes on in, in, in Jamie's mind when he drops back. He's like, okay, Evans deep, oh, he's covered. Go on. Then he sees Sean Jackson deep, oh, safety help, safety help over the top. Then he's like, okay, my third read is Adam Humphreys running uh, crossing route three yards deep. My fourth read is Cameron Braid running into the flat two yards deep. Okay, I, I throw it into double coverage. To the zone. <laughs> I think yeah. that's, that's him. And um, what I hope, uh, what Arians might do is, okay, so instead of his third read being Adam Humphreys running a short crosser, his third read is O.J. Howard running uh, 12 yards over the deep middle of the field against the linebacker, um, where, where he's a clear mismatch. And so when he has more options um, to, to throw the ball down the field, he should be tempted less um, to throw into um, tight windows. Because the, 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 if, you run the, um, if you run down the field at a higher weight, it's just more likely that one of these guys gets open. Right, and, and like it, to, to, from what you're saying, the whole Flacco you know, ex- expectation versus Jameis result is basically this idea that Jameis's nature is to throw the ball downfield and the dirt cutter offense until last season with Monken was not fulfilling, like wasn't building the ecosystem for that nature. Right. And then, but like we have, you know, there's some faith there that Bruce Arians will take that and, and sort of like, just let him live his life as a quarterback. Jesus Lord, <laughs> that, that is, this is incredible. You know, I, that like, it, like you, you guys are on nature is to try to go down field level. You guys and, are setting, you know, like infant birds free right now. This is incredible. Yeah. I, I do think that this is such a simple, uh, intuitive way to look at matching a quarterback who, as you said, the quarterbacks want to throw, right the ball to a certain depth they that is a that is something that is you know a characteristic of that quarterback and it just it's so intuitive to say well let's look at the route structure that's run what is going to match up with what the quarterback is a good at doing and b wants to do the only i think the only question that i would have is a very non-analytical one but would be about when palmer was so successful there in arizona there was a couple articles written about how hard he worked to prepare for this like kind of complex downfield passing game. Um, and, uh, you know, I, that's obviously something that Jameis is going to have to do because that lack of preparation might result in a, you know, extreme amount of the negative uh, throws that we've seen from Jameis. But all of the kind of matching of what he wants to do and, and what uh, Arians can facilitate seems to be there. Um, I I want to leave the rest for the article, but I want you to tease a little bit of it. Um, what are some of the things that uh, people out there can look forward to hearing about that you found really interesting? Um, yeah, so in, in the article, I will um, uh, a little bit more details about about what I did. We'll present some of these beautiful uh, pictures. Um, and then we, um, we we also looked at um, Tyreek Hill, who um, yeah who was cleared to play 
in 2019, and he, he has um, gone through... You looked at Tyreek Hill on the field, I believe, is what you uh, dove into. Yeah, right? I, look, yeah I look only at Tyreek Hill, how he helps the Chiefs on the field. A legal analysis uh, by Timo Risque. And yeah, he, he went through an interesting evolution um, in his first three years, I think, and the data suggests that the pairing of Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes was like match, match made in heaven. Oh, way to bury the lead. Shocking. Yeah. No, I I think the Tyreek Hill one is uh, people are going to really enjoy um, some of the the league wide analysis. I think will also be really great, and you present some of that. I don't want you to tell anyone about it now. Make sure you guys are ready for um, that article next week. Give Timo a follow uh, on Twitter if you don't already. You're an idiot if you don't. Um, because I'm sure some of the stuff he'll be uh, sharing with you on, on Twitter as well. I also, having got a sneak peek at the article, I'm very excited for um, some of the receiver route, like the most potent uh, um, or the, the most well-earned targets, I guess you could say, by players. Those are pretty cool and interesting. So um, awesome work. It's always fun to have you on the pod. We appreciate you jumping on from across uh across the way and uh we'll talk to you soon brother okay appreciate you having me alvita zane look at that you'd love to see it love it's awesome to have timo in the mix he's certainly uh bringing a new a new perspective uh as, as i said earlier it's like good to have some of the bandwidth to sort of explore a lot of this stuff so i am pumped about this it's something that we've wanted to do for so long some people have tried in the past and failed miserably um but this has been in timo's wheelhouse he's um you know just a a really great mathematician but also thinks about the game in a really great way and i think that comes out in the article all right we are uh going to close this one up quickly with a little eagle stuff we're going to put six minutes on the clock so it's (laughs) i don't know how this is going to happen but we're going to make it work here the, the Eagles have some big picture headlines. So let's not worry about anything other than the big picture stuff. And let's start with this. Carson Wentz extension for the Eagles future. Right move, wrong move. What do you think? I, I think it was the right move. I think Wentz, the interesting thing about Wentz is he was a lot worse in 2017 than people gave him credit for. He was a lot better in 2018 than people gave him credit for. The injury history is certainly something um, but his injuries have been sort of fluky. The back injury was something that, uh, you know, I don't think is going to be something that's lingering. ACL, of course, was on like a weird play against the Los Angeles Rams in 2017. So um, I think he's a, you know, a pretty solid, uh, you know, franchise level quarterback. Um, he's certainly not like in that group of eight. Um, but at the same time, I don't think they paid through the teeth for him. Um, so uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, certainly um, better for them to do this than to like pay in Nick Foles and trade Wentz. I think you know this sort of uh, would have been a very speculative move um, because you know one of the things I want to talk about broadly is last season they were better. They were 16th in EPA, um, but they were they were 10th in the games that Foles started. Weirdly though. They were 13th in passing EPA, but 16th in the games that Foles started. It was the running game. They were 6th in, in rushing EPA, 
in the games that Foles started in the regular season, 18th otherwise. So again, one of those things where we attribute a lot of the negativity last season for the Eagles coming off of a Super Bowl to Carson Wentz, but in reality, it's things that he can't necessarily control. Their defense uh, was 10th in EPA allowed per play, which was a downturn from 4th in 2017. They got a lot better as the season progressed uh, after a few of those you know, off-the-street secondary players started to play a little bit better and also... Uh, you know, they got healthier, um, very good in the coaching department. Uh, you know, Peterson and Schwartz are both top 10 play callers uh, in their respective sides of the football. So they're just a team that, you know, I think does a lot of things right and should be, you know, if you're thinking about favorites in the NFC, I think it goes New Orleans and then probably Philadelphia second. Well, they have an easy schedule. Uh, 31st in opponent PFF ELO. So that, that's one thing to consider. They don't have that you know sort of super bowl hangover looming over them but the reason i think the carson Wentz signing made sense is that you're never going to get a better deal than you get now because of what just happened last season yeah. the perception the injury obviously you make a a calculated assessment of the probability that this injury is debilitating and and you work off of that and we'd assume that they made one um but i think that's the reason it was the right move and if you're looking you know there's a lot Lewis Riddick talked about Sweet Lou, about how he thinks Carson Wentz runs away with the MVP this year. And while I think that's maybe a little bit bold, I'm not sure he's the bet that I would like the most as far as MVP goes. What's really interesting about it is that he has that easy schedule. He almost won it a couple seasons ago. That always plays in people's minds. And the the data that you know, shows up in the box score last year was worse than his performance. Twelfth mm-hmm. uh, grade from a clean pocket, seventh best at uh, limiting negatively graded throws last year. And you know that Doug Peterson and that organization are going to take the requisite steps to go for on fourth down and that they just didn't have as many of those opportunities with Wentz last year all of a sudden with Foles they like had more of these fourth and ones ended up scoring on more of the drives where they went for on fourth and one it was just a super weird season Wentz was better on first and second down but then Foles comes in and has this like heroic season for three games on third down let's move to the draft they made some interesting moves in the draft they trade up trade up yeah, That's I mean, shocking. And then they take a running back. So you just said you really like all the moves that they make. These are two that seem counterintuitive. Yeah, I mean, obviously no team perfect. I think the Andre Dillard trade-up was probably solid in that they are a stacked roster for which if they get 12 draft picks, they're not like Seattle, where if they get like 10, 12 draft picks, a lot of those guys are going to make the team. This is a team after you know acquiring Malik Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, keeping Ronald Darby, getting Andrew Sandejo, Jordan Howard, Hassan Ridgeway, Zach Brown. Those are all starters that are coming in to play, uh, and they really only lost, you know, the Jordan Hicks was like their big loss, right? Um, but they don't have a ton of opportunity to, to like sort of for rookies to make the team. Um, so the Dillard pick, I, I think, makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, sort of like a Bill Belichickian sort of take care of a position a year early, right? And left tackle for them with Jason Peters is not a position of need now, but it will be at some point. Um, the J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, very similar. Alshon Jeffries' spot in that offense is not a need now, but it might be a need given his injury history uh, and ineffectiveness at times. Uh, same thing with backup quarterback. They got Kate Clayton. Thorson from Northwestern. Okay. So All right. You're talking Enough. about like taking Enough. care of... Enough. 
Enough. You're talking we had about six minutes on the clock. You're not going to tell me things. that Clayton Thorson was. Well, he's like, a fifth round pick. They do. They do not have. You know, uh, the uh, the guy that they currently have. Um, I, he's uh, his name is escaping me, but he doesn't have a ton of experience. Sure. So they are taking care of a lot of those things. The drafting of Miles Sanders in the second round, especially after they use a draft pick to trade for Jordan Howard, is perplexing. But yeah. um, as is the you know re-signing of Darren Sproles. So. They don't do everything perfectly, but they're certainly a team where I can sort of see a logic sort of permeating through the things they do. Well, that's six minutes. No. What do you think? So over <laughs> under 10. No, I, I want to say one thing. I think the Miles Sanders pick was weird. I, they have a stacked team, but you have never had too many defensive backs. They didn't take a single yeah. defensive back. They got murdered with injuries mm-hmm. last year you always need to be prepared for that yeah. i think their offensive tackle depth is smart i don't have a problem with that pick at all but i just think yeah, you can coach. never have you can never be deep enough there so let's let's go through it here 10 over under i'd lean under likewise um super bowl plus 1600 or actually let's go division first uh they are the favorite to win the division cowboys fans probably think that's ridiculous well, that, that gets to their schedule and Carson Wentz path to the MVP. I mean, the Giants and the Redskins probably are starting rookies at some point, right? Yep. Dallas is a 500 team at best, so the path to the division is pretty solid. We have them about 50%, which is a cl- better than most teams, um, but the market currently is taking a lot of money on them. So they're minus 125. I would lay off that um, because you're just basically you're paying juice for a 50-50 bet basically for the division. Yes, uh, I'm surprised that it is uh, minus 125, to be honest with you. Dallas is a public team, but I think yeah. there's a lot of everybody is fading Washington. Everybody's fading the Giants, which I actually think the Giants have a better shot than people think because they have another, an easy schedule as well as, yes. as Philly does. Super Bowl plus 1600. You, you laying any uh, anything on that? We have it. We have it at about. Six percent, and so plus sixteen hundred. It's a little bit above break even there, yep. so it is a probably a solid bet. And if you're in the in the uh, realm of you know long, I mean, not it's not a long shot relative to the rest of the NFL, but sixteen to one is pretty solid. Yeah, I actually think that's uh, if I had to make one bet on any of those things, that is the one I would take. Um, we are out of time, so no Cincy why this week. Okay, we'll save it. We'll have an extra good one next week. Uh, until then, head to pff.com. And all of your hatred, direct PFF underscore Eric. Peace out.